Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. So you must be thinking, what is the goal with this group? Our goal is and has always been to establish and nurture a strong network of women around the world who understand and support one another while navigating the SCI life. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission with this podcast is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we tackle deeper discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the WAGS of SEI podcast. Here we go. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases. And they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGS of SCI sent you. This episode is sponsored in part by Camp Possibility. Camp Possibility is a one-week adapted camp for young adults aged 18 to 40 who have spinal cord injuries and their partners. This camp takes place in Martinsville, Indiana and runs from August 1st to 6th, 2021. Registration begins February 1st and there are limited spots available. For more information, visit www.camppossibility.org. That's camppossibility or email lauren at camppossibility.org. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact us at wagsofsei at gmail.com and we'd be happy to connect you. Hurry as registration begins February 1st until all 24 spots are filled. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast. We're super excited to be here with you today. Thank you for tuning in. We truly, truly, truly appreciate you listening. Um, We are so happy that you guys come to us every week and support us by sharing the podcast and commenting on it and subscribing. It's just so, it's such a great way to share awareness and education. So we wanted to start off the podcast saying thank you. Um, This episode, of course, is hosted by Brooke Paget and Elena Pauly. That's right. So we are here to discuss yet again another topic of accessibility. Today, Brooke and I are hopping on to talk to you guys about traveling during a pandemic and how to make your trip successful. So we're going to share some personal experiences. Um, We know this is a crazy time. We know that it is very frowned upon to leave, um, you know, your state, your province, maybe take a flight to sunny Mexico. But at the same time, we don't want to feel cooped up within our homes, right? Because we've had a lot of adjustments throughout the year. It's hard to believe it's already been a year, right, Brooke? Like, it's crazy. We're counting down the weeks until until it has been, right? So... 
Awesome. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about it earlier today about how it'll, it's almost been one full year since Elaine and I have sat in our little recording studio side by side in our two by four foot room, acoustic room, recording (laughs) the podcast. It's been a long time, but I can honestly say we are better than ever. In my opinion, I feel like it's another silver lining of the pandemic as we've been able to do all of this advocacy, crazy amounts of Zoom meetings and recording our podcast all in remote locations and getting it done and just continuing on. And it's just a true test of like our resilience, right? And our our passion for the group. I mean, we're going to keep going no matter what, even during a pandemic. So absolutely. And that's why it's so important to have our audience. You guys, thank you for all the messages we've had throughout the year. It's, it's kind of hard to believe, um, you know, it's been a year, but it's, you know, the things that we have accomplished throughout the year and the different publications we've been a part of. We are about to give an awesome talk to Bloomberg, which is like incredible to, right. to speak to an accessible community. Um, we've done some Washington Post work with them. So we're just incredibly thankful to you guys for writing in, for supporting, for listening, for giving us your feedback. And of course, don't stop doing that. Keep on submitting your questions. It totally spikes an interest in our hearts and minds to talk about something new each week. So yeah. here we go. I think it's also really cool that um, as soon as the pandemic hit, we noticed that more people were tuning into the podcast. <laughs> so it's funny how like even something like this, that we're, we're distanced, you and I are distanced, but we're still connected and we're still connecting people and we're still helping people realize that they're not alone, even though they're alone. Right. So, right. For anybody who doesn't know, or maybe you haven't listened to our previous episodes, Brooke and I uh, began this group, the Wags of SCI, in 2017, when we met each other over social media, over Instagram, through the all-famous hashtags, hashtag quadriplegic, hashtag spinal cord injury, and we discovered that we actually live just a few blocks away from each other, and we did not have anybody else in our lives who had also been dating somebody with a spinal cord injury. Now, we have been with our partners um, previously to spinal cord injury, so we came from very similar I suppose, walks of life when it comes to spinal cord injury. And I had been fresh out after one year and Brooke was, in my eyes, a seasoned, seasoned wag of SEI. So an old hag. <laughs> the wag hag. Yeah. <laughs> an old hag who's gone through the muck already. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Kid- kidding, right. but not really. <laughs> Yeah, so I was the girlfriend, she is the wife. So we began Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. And from there, that lit our passion and common um, knowledge and topics that we were discussing on the daily about things that we were experiencing with our partners that our friends and family just really could not understand, um, nor did we really even want them to. So that is how Wags of SCI was born at the very end of 2017 in November. Yeah. So now that we're in a pandemic and it's been almost a year now, um, we have had to pause all of our local events. We have had to pause our in-person advocacy. We have had to pause a lot of things that relied on in-person communication. And it hasn't been a bad thing. I feel like, like we said earlier, we've done so much. We've transitioned um, to Zoom for a lot of our meetings and a lot of our meetups. And um, we've built so many amazing connections. So for those of you who don't know, a huge portion of WAGS happens behind the scenes in the form of advocacy. So we're big into caregiver rights and caregiver advocacy as well as disability rights. Um, But our bread and butter is working on the policies and the, I wouldn't say like preconceived notions of what caregivers do and how they don't get paid, but just the rights and human responsibilities as far as, as caregivers who provide highly, highly, highly skilled uh, care to their partners and they don't get compensated and they get taken advantage of by government and private systems. And so that is a huge, huge portion of the work that goes behind the scenes. Um, and we've had a lot of strides in that direction over the past year. We can honestly say we are now working with the University of British Columbia, for those of you who don't know, um, co-chairing 
an actual legitimate study on caregivers and the role of social supports in the community. And our goal with this is because everything moves very slowly in society, right? You know, when something new comes up, you have to have evidence. And so we've had so many of you come forward to participate in the online version of our our study, getting this information to these people so that we can take that information and use it to promote change. It's kind of like a first step. Um, So if you're listening right now and you're a caregiver, a family caregiver, you can go to our website or our Instagram page um, or Facebook. We just posted the other day on this and participate in the last little portion of our online study. It takes about 20 minutes and you're doing your part um, to help create real change that requires a lot of Mm -hmm. evidence, right? Yeah, it's like anything, right? When you take a survey, when, when, you know, the annoying telemarketers call you and they want to, they want to conduct a survey and it's dinner time and you're like, man, I just sat down. This is the worst time, but I really want to contribute. Always, always contribute because you are casting your vote. Without that, there cannot be any change. So it's really important. It takes, I don't know, a few minutes there is an honorarium that is attached to that as well. And like anything, use your voice for change because without all of us, family caregivers and wives and girlfriends who are caregivers, without our contribution, then nobody will know that this is something that needs to be worked on and that it is an actual issue. Unpaid domestic labor is a whole other category. Of well, this, yeah. And it's so foreign that even the caregivers in the community didn't think about it. They're like, Oh, you know, a lot of people that we talked about this with were like, do you get paid for the highly skilled labor that you provide and the amount of money that you save your insurer by being there through the night or through the day or when there's no nursing around or the relief you provide to the healthcare system. A lot of the caregivers are like, no, I never even thought of it because it's so foreign. People don't even think about it. Right. So that's what we're trying to change. Yeah. So hop on. The link is in our bio on our Instagram. You can easily find that. It's super accessible. Guide your way through it. It maybe takes you 20 minutes max. And of course, we truly greatly value your guys' feedback on something that could be a lot bigger than us, which is so incredibly powerful. And again, big shout out to the University of British Columbia for partnering with us on this study. Now, moving along to our topic today, we are going to discuss what it looks like to take a trip within your community, a road trip particularly, and what you need to prepare. Brooke and I have both um, taken a road trip, even during the pandemic, just to get out, get some fresh air. And, uh, you know, instead of being at home, getting stir crazy from sitting here looking at your walls, everything within your four walls, um, change it up a little bit. And of course, do it with the utmost safety, wear your mask, it's calculated risk, but make the right decisions and choices um, of how to do that. And you can still be a little bit free. It's also a really good way to um, at doing it safely, right? Making sure you're going to a place that you're allowed to go, making sure that, you know, you're taking all the precautions that you can. And like you said, it's a calculated risk. But I think it's interesting, the differences, especially in my personal experience, um, going somewhere like we went for the first time to Whistler during the pandemic, which is about 45 minutes away from no, an hour away from where we live in Vancouver, Canada. My partner and I last summer, um, we went to Whistler for three days. And that was the first time we traveled during the pandemic. And we wanted to do a little getaway. We wanted to celebrate my partner's birthday. And I remember (laughs) the feeling I had being in that hotel And seeing that there were so many people that weren't wearing masks, because at the time, it just goes to show you how fast the world is changing and how fast our area changed. At the time, masks were mandated, right? They weren't mandated. Mm -hmm. So him and I were in our masks and everyone was looking at us like we were crazy, but we were scared. Like we were kind of like, well, nobody really knows anything yet. It was so, it was still so new. Right. And you guys are also wearing your medical grade masks too, right? You're not wearing like the cloth masks at that time. No, at the time it was like we were wearing the KN95 mask. He was wearing the N95 mask and he still wears his N95 to go to physio because he's in such close contact with his, his therapist that it's kind of like that extra layer of protection. But like, it's so interesting. Back then it was more of a fear and we were kind of scared because we, it's the unknown, right? 
when nobody else was wearing a mask, we were traveling and we wanted to relax, but I felt it like it was really, really hard to relax. I was too busy thinking about, oh, should we be doing this? And we stayed in our hotel room most of the time and it was nice. It was relaxing. We went for walks. It was great. But there was still that little voice in the back of my head that I was just like, kind of like, oh, should we be doing this? And then, you know, fast forward a couple of months ago, um, where we went on a four day trip to Tofino. And that's what we kind of wanted to get into this podcast because both Elena and I have been to Tofino in the past couple of months now. And that trip was so different because it's so isolated and remote area of Vancouver Island. It's so beautiful. Um, but it's all outdoors. And that time during the pandemic, it, there was more information available and we were kind of like feeling a little bit more secure and doing it to actually relax <laughs> and getting to a place where we're like, okay, we can do this. So I feel like going in your area on a little excursion is good to kind of get yourself used to what it's like to mm-hmm. be out to travel in public again. and travel. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you've been at home so long, it's kind of a shock. Right. So, yeah. And it, this is a conversation you and I have had from the very beginning to how, you know, what is the world going to look like after we've been isolated for so long? And what is that normalization of socialization going to look like again? Yeah. You know, I feel like, now we feel like we're a policed and surveillance, yeah. which I know is a big one for many, many people. And that sort of ties into the feelings that you may have of, of feeling, wow, should I be doing this? Yeah. Is this the right thing to do? And I mean, we all we always preach, do your own research, get your own um, knowledge about, you know, the facts that are out there, because I know the news can scare a lot of people. And I know that for the news to be news and be exciting, they do have to report on all the negative things and the things that are, and not saying all of it is trash because it's not, absolutely not. Um, The news is a great way that that can provide information for people who don't have access to education and critical thought. So that is, that piece is always there. But getting out and socializing away like I don't want to say physically distancing because you're like you are physically distancing still but it's also being social with the distance being far away it's like seeing human life again right yeah you're not you're not just feeling like you're stuck and you're trapped and how many zoom calls can we do and again you have to use your common sense and what is right for you and your partner especially because our partners are high risk um if we weren't making the right choices so Burke and I wanted to talk to you guys about how you prepare for taking a road trip, the things that you need, right, to make it successful. Yeah, and unsuccessful too. Like there's, we wanted to talk (laughs) about, (laughs) we wanted to talk about our comparable experiences and how important advocacy is and how important your voice is, as small as it may be in the grand scheme of the world your voice is still so important. And so, so I was discussing, um, in October when we went to Tofino, my family, the first time, um, we went there and of course I've traveled a lot with my partner post injury. That's something that has been so important to us. We decided, uh, for those of you who don't know, we decided that, um, after his injury, we wanted to get married in Italy And at the time, we kind of dove in headfirst. We had no idea about international travel overseas. We'd never even been to Europe. We'd only been, like, in North America, Mexico, Costa Rica, all those, like, more local places. But this was, like, something else. So we kind of got into travel that way. And over the years, we'd like to go different places and experience new things. That being said, (laughs) very rarely does it ever work out that everything goes smoothly. And I think one of the big issues with caregivers and, um, you know, quadriplegics especially is you have to bring so much equipment and you have to plan so effectively so that everything is there for you when you get there that you're kind of wanting things to go smoothly. But then I feel like a huge asset is just realizing that 99.9% probability that things will not go as smoothly as you want them to go when you travel with a quadriplegic, when you travel needing to prepare and bring all this equipment with you and like make sure that your hotel room is accessible. So when we showed up in Tofino, 
I had been in contact with the hotel manager and the office manager a few times before our arrival. And I had said to him, listen, we need this specific room. Um, we had been there before, but when we had went before, which was two years earlier, they hadn't done a big room renovation. So they'd done room renovations this last October visit. So we, we wanted to call and make sure that everything was set up for us. Oh, no problem. They said, we have roll-in showers. You don't have to worry about that. Um, I had to ask, you know, is there room under the bed? We need at least four inches under the bed. Um, all the quad wives and girlfriends out there who use a Hoyer lift will know what I'm saying. Like you need to have room under the bed to be able to lift him into the bed. Right. So the hotel people, they don't get it. So you kind of have to educate them. And it's like that process all over again. It's like you educate them as to why and why it's needed. And then you double back and make sure that they're, that everything's confirmed and that they've checked with the housekeeping to make sure that there's actually four inches under the bed and blah, blah, blah. It's this like exhausting process. You become a pro at it after a while though. But then when we showed up, it was another story. I showed up and there was someone else working that had no idea who I was. Um, it was just like a front office staff member. I feel like, I feel like when you do walk up and you're like, Hey, I'm here to explain accessibility and the things I need, you can see the person's like clock clocks, uh, working. And it's like processing. They're like, wait, a space under the bed. Wait, too high of a bed. Wait, what do you mean by getting into the shower? Right. And you're like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. And, and even when, you have conversations with people way beforehand and you have email evidence. They don't read it. They don't understand. They don't know because they're not that person that they talk to. Right. And so I had to like, of course, go through the whole thing again and explain. I've called. You said this was okay. We reserved a specific room close to this area. There's only two. We, we reserved that room because I had a roll in shower. And so they basically said to me, sorry, someone else is staying in there. You'll have to take this other room. And we were just like, what? Like, please. Like, of course, I got upset because this was, you know, it's during a pandemic. We want to just get to our room. Um, and I had gone through all that hassle for nothing. And this has happened to me so many times. You'd think I'd be used to it by now, but it's so many times. Something about the emotion of traveling, right? You've, you've, you've driven, you've been six hours traveling by now and you're just kind of wanting to like put your feet up, right? But that's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so you're a zombie. <laughs> so long story short, um, we ended up working with the manager and also the manager of like the hotel uh, janitorial services, who is amazing, who um, what they did was they switched the beds in the hotel room to make it so he could get under the bed. Um, and they put ramps in where the quote roll in shower was because it wasn't actually a roll in shower. It had a three inch lip on it. They had said advertised as a roll-in shower, you know, for the handicap room was an ADA room, but it's still not accessible, <laughs> which is so frustrating because I walked right in. I was like, oh my God, really? You guys like, seriously, like, I'm so, I'm so sorry that I have to get upset at this, but this was, I was told this is a roll-in shower. This is not a roll-in shower. So in the end, they fixed everything um, after some tears and they comped our first night. And then after the able-bodied people who were staying in the room that we had requested left, they moved our stuff, they moved the bed and it was a huge hassle. And so part of me was like, I feel bad that the hotel people have to go through all this for us to stay. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you know, I paid good money for this hotel room. I, I paid good money to go on this trip. Um, I packed for, you know, a day and a half to get here and, we're going to make this happen. And that, you know, they're, you kind of have to like put yourself in a place of like, these people are there as hospitality workers. They're here to serve. That's what their job is. Um, so it's kind of like took that whole, I feel bad thing out. And I was just kind of like, no, whatever. So then we ended up having a great time. Um, but then, well, I, and and saying that too, it's like when you said they're here to serve their hospitality workers, you and I have both been in the service industry. Yeah. We know the kind of training that it takes yeah. um, to give good service and what happens when you don't, you know? And yeah. I feel like, like, we're not just saying that, oh, it's them and us. It's like, no, no, <laughs> we've done what you've done before. But also, I just want to quickly touch base on the fact that a lot of the time accessible hotel rooms are more expensive than their regular hotel rooms and yeah. that can you know that they also are. that also sort of like when it, things don't go smoothly that also ties into the frustration of wow we've planned so much you know we're so excited just to like sit relax 
but our our travel technically the travel and the process is not over yet and then you end up spending that extra time where you should be relaxing on your trip you're still planning you're still organizing you're still unpacking you're still moving things around which kind of shortens your trip a little bit so I think that frustration is really valid yeah it's valid and it's also kind of like uh, I mean it's good training right? For me, like every time something like this happens, I'm like, I get my emotions out and I'm like, oh, it gets better every time. I, I remember when we were in Rome and he couldn't even get into the elevator and we had booked a six night stay and we had literally six bags and nowhere to go. Um, and we were in a foreign country and we literally were sitting in a restaurant with nowhere to go because he could not get up the elevator to get into the room we had, re- we had requested. I was like a mess. I literally had to drink like a bottle of limoncello to calm myself down. <laughs> but like for something like this, it's like, it kind of drinks. Yeah. It's true faux Italian. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of like, I don't know, kind of like trains you to kind of roll with the punches more and not get so upset every time. And I I mean, I think I get most upset every time because it's not because, Oh crap, I have something more to deal with. It's more like, really, really again. And it's just kind of like that same frustration in the community where it's just like, people aren't educated. Hotel staff are not educated. They don't understand about disability community and what is needed and why it's needed. And so the end result of all of this was the hotel manager brought us a bottle of bubbly. um, And he said, he brought us a card and he said, we are going to do better. We are going to do better next time. I promise you, we will do better. I will educate my staff. I will make sure that they know that this room has to be accessible and why. And I was like, great, perfect. And then so fast forward a few months, um, Elena went to Tofino. You went, you and Dan went to Tofino last week Mm -hmm. and you guys stayed in the exact same room as us. And now why don't you talk about your experience at the same resort? Okay, so... Okay, so before this resort, actually, um, Dan and I booked an Airbnb. So we packed up our vehicle. Um, we dropped the dogs at Dan's parents. We borrowed the cooler from them. We packed the cooler, like, to the very tip top. We had all the freaking snacks because we, too, wanted to minimize um, how much we were going to go out to eat. If we were even going to go out to eat, we weren't sure. Um, the community is quite small there. It is quite a bit of a drive, I think. From our house, from door to ferry, it's like an hour, maybe 45 minutes, then a two-hour ferry, which we actually did not get out on the ferry at all. We stayed in our car. We were pulled up like waterfront to like the ferry. So we had the view, which was great. Um, and then from there it's another three hour drive. So we booked an Airbnb. The Airbnb was great. Um, again, it's that topic of, are you accessible? And of course they say, yeah, what do you mean? Are you accessible? So it was good. We had good communication. We stayed at the Airbnb. We had a little bit of an issue there where actually at the Airbnb, um, the bathroom was not accessible. So the bed was also not accessible. Dan and I use a sliding board to transfer him on and off. We bring our own commode. So the travel commode is really great. It snaps apart, snaps together. You fit it into your suitcase. If you guys want more details about that, we can definitely drop it in um, a link in our bio here on this podcast about that piece of equipment because it's a big lifesaver. And anyways, so... We get in, we get into the Airbnb, Dan at the front door as we walk in, there's flowers sitting there. And I was like, oh, wow, these are beautiful flowers. That was really nice of them um, to leave us, you know, it's Valentine's Day to leave us the flowers there. So I walk up and Dan, and I read the card and it's from Dan. He was very sneaky, had a flower delivery sitting there waiting. So that was cute. Um, but so we get into the Airbnb, unpack, of course, being the one partner who can unpack, you do everything. So you you get a little bit tired, but... I go to walk out the back door and the back door obviously fits a, a chair through it, but they left a hard plastic boot drying tray at the back door. So Dan went to follow me out. I guess his casters tripped over this hard plastic boot drying tray, which I'm not even really quite sure why somebody would leave that there. You can even an able bodied person would kind of step on it and it snowed that night, like a lot of snow, and you would just go flying. You would sl- you would slide on the concrete because it's icy, it's cold, it's snowy. So 
I'm thankful I didn't fall and trip, but Dan did. So his cat, his front casters got stuck on it and he went flying out of his chair, basically face first, gashed himself up. So that was uh, an interesting thing. I've made a couple stories for you guys about what I do to lift him back into his chair. So, um, I mean, in that, in that moment, you're the only person there. So you have to try some interesting maneuvers. I have a great trick for taking a towel, putting it across the front of Dan's chest and under his arms and then pulling him by the towel instead of pulling from underneath the arms, which is extremely a dangerous for the wife or girlfriend doing this, helping somebody get back inside. Um, you have to be really careful how you do these sorts of maneuvers. You don't want to pull anything or, or twist anything. So that was a great trick. But anyway, so we stayed there for a couple days. Tofino happened to get the biggest dump of snow. And this is a surf town. Tofino is a surf town. Beautiful ocean. Beautiful rainforest. Very heavy, thick, lush rainforest. And it's one of the only rain, true rainforests in the world. It's one of very few. So it's just like very fresh air. You can just feel, you just feel so alive being there. And you're so secluded from everything. You look out the, the front window or the back window or whatever, and it's just water. It's just ocean. And, and past that, it's just, you're looking straight out to like Japan, to, to Tokyo. <laughs> there's nothing there right Brooke so, right right it's literally the Pacific Rim yeah it's beautiful it's it's gorgeous so we stayed there for a couple days but because of due to the snow like many of you know um the wheelchair cannot push through, through the snow so we stayed for a couple days and then we decided we would extend our trip and at which point we so we ate all of our snacks we made dinner and breakfast we we made in the room um which worked out really perfectly and then we called this resort that Brooke is speaking of and just wanted to check in to see if there was a any room available b um do they have an accessible room and they did they said they had an accessible room we explained it was snowy we didn't really get to get out and like you know, go check out the beaches. We didn't get to see a whole lot because Dan's wheelchair would not be able to go through the snow. And we spoke to somebody who was really, really great. And he, and he said, yeah, we do have an accessible room. And then the more we talked, he said, you know what, actually I have one in particular in mind that, that would have beautiful views of the sunset for you guys. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't know what to think. We've never been here before. So I do remember Brooke saying that her and Evan had stayed there for a few days and it was beautiful. So of course, from the outside, it looks one way. And then once you get to your room, it's like paradise from your bed, you just overlook the entire sunset and all the waves and the entire ocean. And it's just like, you feel like you're in paradise. You feel like you're totally somewhere else on the planet. So for us, there was this time around, I think because of Brooks, well, I know because of Brooks advocacy to put in this change, I, I was showing Brooke photos of this and there was a flat wheeling shower, flat wheeling straight into the room, out the back porch, onto the grass. And then they have paved pathways and big fire pits where the wheelchair actually can go right onto the sand from the pathways. Um, the sand just happens to be strong enough that you can push your partner um, quite far onto the sand when the tide is out. So it was, you know, I think there's a bit of a bummer because it's like you guys had one experience. Again, I guess that was necessary for the process of us to have this experience. And it's so important to use your voice to advocate for change. Because again, without you using your voice, without you saying anything about it in the time, especially with our guys who don't like have extra attention on themselves especially you know being in a wheelchair it's like oh I don't really want to make a big deal out of it I don't want to make a fuss um I don't you know I don't I just don't want that extra attention but it's so important to speak up when something is wrong when something is uncomfortable when something doesn't work and you know there are different ways to do that Rebecca Mina from For the Love of Parking always says you know, advocate from a place of love with awareness uh, from a place of love. So, you know, you can just say, Hey, you know what, this is really not working for us. And don't ever feel like your voice is not 
valid because it is. And it's so important for the next person to come along and have a totally different journey. Yeah. I think let's just like pause for a moment and just think about like how awesome this specific example is to demonstrate what happens when you're, I was in a little bit of a pickle. I was upset. I was kind of like, Oh, this is even going to get anywhere. But then you literally get a physical example of what your advocacy has done to help someone else who comes next. And like, think about my Rome experience, how literally Evan could not fit in the elevator. The host who was trying to show us around was in tears. She was in tears. This little Italian real estate girl who had hooked us up with this Airbnb was inconsolably crying worse than me. She was like, I can't believe. Yeah. She's like, I can't believe that this happened. I feel so terrible. She was the one that hooked us up with the hotel that we did stay in, which it turned out to be an absolute gem who the lady at the the front desk, her, her husband was a paraplegic and we had the best experience ever. We stayed there the next time we went to Rome. And it's just funny how no experience that happens in my opinion is wasted. So when you're the next time that you're stuck in this situation, which let's face it, you know, this is all over the private group all the time, us quad wives, us para wives, even, you know, like it's, it's the same all around. It's a big struggle and we're conditioned to, to think that we shouldn't say anything or we shouldn't make a big deal. That's where we go. Right. We go to the place of, should I really be making a big deal about this? But you're right. If you come from a place of love and education, you have to know that these people, they want the best for you and they don't know. They don't come from a place of, oh, screw these, these tourists. We don't care. No, they come from a place of, we just didn't know. And thank you for educating me. And people will respond so well to you. You know, even if you're teary, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're crying, if you're not yelling at them and if you're just talking and saying, listen, these are the reasons why I have a tear in my eye right now, because I wanted this time with my husband to go smoothly and it didn't. But when you look back and you say, well, those times didn't go smoothly, but I spoke up and I said something about it and I actually made the time to educate people. And they said to me, we will do better next time. All of those times, the ripple effect that that has on the future. And this is how, this is how change happens from your voice that you think isn't important it is important and it creates a trickle down effect where you're influencing people that will come and have a really great experience because of you. And I think it's important for everybody listening is that your voice isn't wasted. You're not just some mm-hmm. small voice that isn't doing anything. This is ha- you are everything, right? Well, absolutely. And I know how frustrating and exhausting it is to even bring up issues that do pop up, but let's face it. This life, the SCI life, is full of it. It's full of unexpected surprises, things that you're constantly saying, oh, shit. Like, how many times a day have do I say, oh, shit, <laughs> you know? Or do I hear it from my partner? Because it's, it's consistent. That I think it's almost more of a surprise when things do go smoothly. You know what I mean? It's like a welcome surprise. You're like, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, this is such a gift from, from <laughs> the universe right now. And it's so funny. I was talking to my brother about this the other day, about how people that have dealt with an SCI, either suffered an SCI or have had a partner who has suffered an SCI or they're a caregiver or they're with someone with an SCI. And you see that this life, like you said, is full of things that happen to make your life not go like you planned. But then you have an opportunity from that, that not really many other people do. And it kind of like forces you into a place of like you said, when things go right, you're just so grateful. And that translates over into a lot of other things. I know for me in my life, I, I am so grateful every day, regardless of how many more obstacles me and my husband have versus any other able-bodied couple. It's those obstacles that create a resilient, strong person that can handle what is thrown at them. How many people do you know, Elena, that have not had a serious thing like this happen to them, or they have not had any real obstacles to deal with that are 
emotionally resilient and able to handle what life throws at them. I I don't. Well, (laughs) you know what? I, I think it just changes your, your perspective on life in general. And I think that you and I talk about this so often. I think one of our shared values in why we're able to do what we do is because, you know, we both see, I guess, I don't want to say like the bright side of things because that kind of seems a little cheesy and it's no, not it's true. Not, I don't always. It. Exactly. And and it's not true. And I and I don't always see the bright, th- the bright side of things, trust me. But I do feel almost like a little bit of a bubbling up in me when I see my other, I would say not friends, but like other people posting on their social media, for instance, about, wow, I'm so heartbroken because this and this. And I'm like, oh no, why are you heartbroken? Oh, because they're out of my favorite food. Or, oh, I'm so heartbroken because something very, I want to say, you know, superficial didn't go right in their day. And sometimes I have to like stop myself and like, sort of like challenge that thinking like why is that making me so upset right now when it's like my partner just fell out of his wheelchair twice on our trip that was kind of heartbreaking you know so like the perspective and the shift is so different now that you truly do have to like absorb all of the smooth moments that go through your life that you're like wow today was a smooth day today was a good day um and what is a good day right there's no such thing as a good or bad day it's like there's a reason why things happen the way they do maybe it's preparing you for something bigger that's gonna happen um so you have that in your repertoire your toolkit of how to deal with things but you know um it just it does it's almost it's that like neurological those like pathways that almost they become stronger they become they adapt they transform they change that like neuroplasticity where like truly reforms the way you take on challenging situations or maybe even see what challenging situations look like for one person than the other person like it it's just I I know for us it's been what five years this past January and we talk about this quite often on our group too. You know, our women always say like the things that used to be a big deal to them to them are no longer that. And like even your personality changes over time too, right? Yeah, and I I think it's fascinating because you know you're talking about what is a good day, what is a bad day. You know, we've been so conditioned um, as human beings and being raised in this day and age that we associate good with what is good? What is good to you? Good to you is comfortable, right? We've been so conditioned to train our lives to be, if anything happens to us that isn't comfortable and isn't what we would expect it to be, and that makes us kind of like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, this isn't good. Or, oh, this is catastrophe. What even is that? That's us training ourselves that life should be comfortable all the time. But when you think about it in a way of like, let's just say like, you're starting a new sport or you're like going to the gym or you're learning piano or whatever it is. Can you, if you're playing the piano, are you disappointed if you can't play Beethoven after your first session? No. Um, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it's kind of like that. It's like when you go to the gym, like we always joke about it. Are you extremely disappointed when you have sore muscles and you don't have an Arnold Schwarzenegger physique after two sessions? You know, it's, it's, it's hard work (laughs) to, get to where you want to be. And it's not easy. And the same thing goes for everything, but we're just so conditioned in life to only respond to things that are in our favor. But that's just our thing. It's what is our favor? It's what we've told ourselves our whole life as to what makes us feel comfortable. And how do we know what comfortable is? How do we know what should happen and what shouldn't happen? And all of these things that do happen, they're all teachers. You can't look back at any of these experiences that has happened to you over your life that have been difficult. And you can't look back at them and said you didn't learn anything from them. No, they've shaped who you are as a human being. Were they comfortable? No. Is childbirth comfortable? No. But you you do it because you have a baby at the end that you really wanted, right? Um, It's the same thing about all these situations in, in the SCI life and in the caregiver life. It's not comfortable all the time. It may not be as smooth as you want it to be. But is that wrong? No, because it's showing you something and you're learning from it. You're becoming a deeper, richer person. 
I think there's a balance that needs to happen between that too, because I know I've had many conversations with people who are saying, you know, I'm so comfortable, but when you have that teeter of too comfortable people, you'll hear them saying things like I'm so bored, right? Yeah. It's like almost too much comfort equals boredom. For instance, even with the onset of the pandemic, you know, people are saying, wow, I'm forced. I, you know, we saw a whole a variety of different things that people were doing responding in different ways because we've never been through this you know some people had parties some people uh, really isolated or fearful but you know and then people were saying okay I'm tired of being in my loungewear I'm tired of being at home I want to go out I want to go to clubs I want to go out to the restaurants I want to go whatever take a flight somewhere go to Cancun whatever um and then then from that even it's like you know I heard heard I heard this really great saying somebody was saying somebody had said and it was you know our grandparents when our grandparents were forced to go to war and all we're being asked to do is sit in our living rooms on our couches and I was like wow like that totally blew my mind and here we are saying this is so hard this sucks I'm tired of wearing you know this variety of lounge where I'm tired of getting takeout or cooking at home or spending time with my family oh I'm so sick of my family even the joke of people saying wow I'm surprised we're not divorced yet it's like what you're surprised that you have to spend this much time with your partner which is something that in the SCI community we have had to adjust to as well and we had you know I feel like it's almost like a blessing like for us we've been in it for five years and then it's like the pandemic hit so then it was almost like there wasn't a huge amount of adjusting because we had already been isolating for so long with SCI and trying to get back to like a new normal quote unquote, um, what that means to us. And same for you guys too. You're like, this is really not that abnormal home workouts. I got it going on, you know, going for walks. I'm good with that. Um, takeout. I'm fine. Like takeout delivery, sorry, delivering food to my house. That's fine. Like grocery shopping, um, delivery services, that's, that's all good. And it's just been a really, I find that at the end of the day, this, it's just been a really eye opening experience. And when it comes to the social level of who you have within, you know, your circle, that's also been very eye opening and really elevated that sort of consciousness to who you can live without or who really truly is there to be your grounding strength and support and partner and friend and family member and what that looks like. Right. So it's, it is, it's all a blessing and we just hope that whatever you guys do, just be kind, just be kind. And be kind to yourself first and foremost. Right. We always say that. We always say that because it's so important. We give ourselves such a hard time. Why? (laughs) Why do we give ourselves such a hard time? We're doing the best we can. We're learning. We're growing. We're becoming deeper people. We're becoming more patient. We're we're learning so much. We have this such this opportunity that so many people don't get in their lifetime, right? In this lifetime, whatever you believe in. It's just such, you know, some people are on their deathbeds and they finally get it and they finally learn, right? We have the opportunity to learn and grow and the sky's the limit for people like us. It's cool. It's there's so many cool opportunities that come from living this life. You just have to look for them, right? And stop, stop expecting life to be comfortable because it's not. It's not for anybody. No one has a comfortable life. I don't no know such I, thing. I don't know anybody that has a comfortable life. No such thing. And also, discomfort makes you grow. It makes you a better, higher version of yourself, and that is a gift in itself, right? And at the end of the day, we have food. We're so fortunate to be living in this part of the world where we have food and even an abundance of it. Such an abundance that people are now paying for weight loss programs because they need to have <laughs> less food, you know? Think about that. Yeah. So... And we have a roof over our head. We have our partners who are able to get the proper medical equipment, the proper medical attention had something happened to them. Um, you know, we have our cozy beds. We have we have it all. We have clean water. We have electricity. My God, we are so fortunate to be here. And we're so fortunate to have you guys listening as we share another episode of the Wags of SAI podcast with Elena and Brooke. <laughs> yeah, and we're really 
we're really fortunate in that sense. Yeah, it's so cool. And you know, our purpose with this podcast, it's, it's, it's never been to tell people what to do. And to like get on our high horse and say, this is what's going on. This is what you should do. No, it's always just to present our perspectives and our experiences and hope that that touches somebody. And if it doesn't touch anybody, that's fine. It's just our perspectives and presenting something that you may not have thought of, or you may not have looked at it that way, or just to have a friend that is available to you through your phone and through your radio, through your headset. You know, we're all friends here. We may not know you, but we feel you listening and we connect with you in that sense. And it's pretty darn cool. And so, you know, to finish this up, we started doing something new, um, every episode where we share a meaningful quote or passage or reading that has been inspiring us personally. And Elena and I will switch um, every episode. So we each get to do one. Um, And so today's my turn. So we wanted to end off the episode with a quote and we're not going to really get into it. We're just going to kind of leave you to think about it um, for the remainder of the day and think what you will of it and just see how it touches you and see what you think about it. So the reason I chose this quote is because, um, mental health has been something that people have been dealing with during this pandemic. There's no way around it. You know, when you're left Mm -hmm. alone to your own devices, when you're left without distractions, you get to see and hear and feel the real stuff that's going on in you, right? Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for you, that's up to you to decide. Mm -hmm. This is something that's actually being talked about more so now than it was at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. I I feel like people are more open to discussing the aftermath. At first, Mm -hmm. you know, it was so unpredictable and now people are really, really feeling it. I mean, this is a conversation I hear from my chiropractor, from my friends, from my family, from WEGS of SCI, um, from partners, from guys actually writing us in who are looking to connect with even a WEG of SCI, even though we're all taken. I mean, people are really, really feeling it. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because in 2021, we are such a progressive and inclusive, quote unquote, society, but people feel so disconnected at some points here too. And mental health has so much stigma around it, right? That we, instead of a lot of the time what happens is society likes to put a blame on people. Like it's your problem. It's your fault. And let's medicate you. So this is a great topic that you bring up. Then once again, during the pandemic, you can see how everything is happening, how it's supposed to, because if this isolation hadn't happened, who knows where our mental health tolerance and discussion would be. I mean, over the past year, it's, it's insane how much this discussion has come to the forefront. Policies are changing. Programming is changing. What's available is just so much better than last year when it comes to mental health. It's insane. It's become a conversation that is at the forefront because of the pandemic. How special is that? Like, I just see, I just, I feel like it's amazing. And it makes you realize that had this not happened, maybe this would not have evolved as quickly as it needs to, because there's people that need this help, right? There's people that, that are going crazy. There's people that need allies that don't have them. There's people that can't afford to go to counseling. And there's people that are actually not in a negative way saying, I really want to get to know who I am during this time. I want to take advantage of the fact that I have more time for me. I want to put more time into self-care and I want to learn why I think and feel the, the way that I do like getting to know yourself. Right. And for a lot of people, it's not pretty. Right. Like, I don't know anybody where, where when you're digging around in who you are, who you really are, regardless of your distractions, regardless of all the conditional things in your life, who you really are. A lot of people don't know. Right. And that's the journey of life. Right. And when you're exposed to those things, Mm -hmm. when you don't have those discretions, it's not, it's not pretty. It's, it's like, wow, Oh, this is me. That's that's the beautiful thing, though, is ripping apart that mess and getting to like 
the good stuff. Like I've been reading more about shadow work and it's basically, you know, it's a great course on who you really are. The things that you think are bad. It's like, those are necessary for who you are and Mm -hmm. all parts of your personality are really great Mm -hmm. because you need them for different situations. You know, some Mm -hmm. people might say, Oh, I'm really bitchy in situations. I'm, you know, I'm such a bitch, but it's like, well, you need to be a bitch sometimes to get your point across to why is my room not accessible when mm-hmm. I've called you a million times. So yeah. everything is necessary. And what is a bitch anyways, right? A bitch is different to so many people. <laughs> yeah. Right. My level compared to your <laughs> level is different. <laughs> uh, it's true. Like a bitch to, to a lot of people is, is a, is a great thing, right? A bitch to some people is someone that gets it done, right? It's, it yeah. just depends. Like you don't really know until you search what, what does that mean to you? And then you realize, oh my gosh, everyone has a different perspective as to what good and bad is. And does it really matter? And why is this bad? <laughs> why is this good? I've created this for myself. What, what's created this? Like, ah, oh, it's like mind blowing, right? Once you start digging. <laughs> the, great, the great question is why? Right? So why? So true. So I feel like, you know, in the people that I know and, and the people that I've been surrounding myself with uh, virtually and growing with. And it's, it's something that is the pandemic has sparked this growth. That's insane. And it's just like 10 times as fast as you would have thought that this kind of human progress would take place, but it's so amazing to see happen. So, okay. To finish off the episode, give you something to think about for the rest of the day. Here's the quote. The quote is by Michael Singer, who is a visionary thought provoking lecturer, author, Um, he focuses on the practice of surrender. So what happens when you get into a place where you want to really know yourself and you want to know why things work and you want to meditate and you want to know who the person is that is observing, observing everything. Um, so this quote is so good. Okay, here it is. Uh, there is nothing more important to true growth then realizing that you are not the voice in your mind, you are the one who hears it. So we'll finish on that quote and we'll give you something to think about and what that means to you. Think about it. Maybe look mm-hmm. up some of his work if you're interested in kind of digging deep as to like what that means to you and what the voice in your head is doing because a lot of us listen to the voice in our head like it's ourselves. But in reality, when you dig deep, it's not. It's your mind. You're observing what you're thinking. That's kind of mind blowing, right? Absolutely. And it's up to you to reject those thoughts or roll with it or do what you wish with it. Sometimes my thoughts tell me that I need to eat an ice cream bar, but I've already had three ice cream bars, so I should probably not. (laughs) Great, great way to lighten it up. (laughs) So true. Okay. So we hope everyone listening has enjoyed our podcast. We got into a lot of stuff about the pandemic. We got into a lot of stuff about travel. Um, If you have any insights on this, we're always around on Instagram, direct message, wagsofsci at gmail.com. We're on our website all the time. We're there 24 seven on our private group. Um, If you have any questions for us, email us anytime um also big shout out to this episode's sponsor robin wishart of wishart brain and spine law who has been helping us over the past two years with our own personal cases and helping us to advocate for caregivers rights and if you need any legal help at all she's partnered with us uh, to provide free legal assistance to anyone who needs it from the wags community so we're super super grateful for her um and yeah thank you for joining us today and we hope to connect with you next week when we address another awesome topic for the podcast cheers hey guys let's take a moment to highlight a cause that is near and dear to our hearts for the love of parking led by our ambassador rebecca mina is an advocacy media outlet that focuses on creating awareness about disability access while also sharing access to important information from our community For the Love of Parking encourages their followers to tag them in any access barriers or issues in order to add to the virtual diary that is being created for the end goal of updating ADA laws. 
head over to the website where they have tons of great information, including medical grade percussors. In fact, both of us use them for ourselves and our partners. Percussors help to reduce inflammation, move the lymph, help with spasms. They also assist in bowel and bladder care and so much more. Did I mention that it makes massage easier on our hands? Use code WEGS of SCI on the website for a discount. You can like and follow For the Love of Parking on Facebook and Instagram and use hashtag don't park like a punk. The advocacy and outreach group Wags of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our Wags, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.